We're in Psalm 37, and I'm excited about sharing with you this particular topic today. How many of you have ever lost your temper? You lost your cool. Anybody like that? The rest of you are lying. You know that, right? Man, I remember several regrettable moments in my life where I just lost my temper. And when I lost my temper, my brain stayed in neutral, but my mouth went in drive. I wasn't thinking, but I had a lot to say. And boy, what I had to say came back to bite me, came back to hurt me, came back to be a regretful thing. And uh, you, I've done it sometimes on the athletic uh, basketball court, or I've done it sometimes on, on the football field. I've done it in our home. I, uh, I've done it as a young man and, and growing up with my brothers, and we were just getting little tit-tats. This is just silly stuff, and all of a sudden it just escalated my dad and would remind me, son, don't horseplay. When you horseplay, someone's going to get mad, something's going to get broken, or somebody's going to get hurt. And don't do that. And you could see it. He, my dad would say, all right, stop, John, stop. Because he like the more I did it, the more angry I got, and the more he said to me, and vice versa, I said back to them, and all of a sudden, uh, we got issues. And angry people don't listen well. When I'm angry, when you're angry, you're not listening. You're just waiting for the person talking to you to be quiet so you can tell them what you want to tell them. What they're saying, they could say, your, your mother's ugly and she wears combat boots. You don't care. You're not thinking about that. You're, you're thinking about what you're going to say when I get a chance to say something. And anger is a problem. I think the devil wants to get men, especially, to be angry to be abusive, to be addictive, to be aloof and out of the, the relational responsibilities or to be absent altogether. He's in a continual working. He likes to get moms and grandmas angry. Heard uh, recently our, our speaker last week, Brother, Brother Beckham, he spoke for many weeks on the topic of why are you so mad? And even this week, folks have, at the, as a result of his preaching, have confessed the sin of anger. We, t we get ticked off, we get frustrated because something doesn't go our way normally. Someone doesn't think like I want them to think, they don't do what I want them to do, they don't feel like I want them to feel about this matter, and it elevates my, my frustrations and my anger. In James, one of the ways that God tells us how to handle anger is with spiritual maturity. And we show spiritual maturity and we grow in maturity as we go through pressure situations that cause us to be frustrated. Many people say, well, I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. You're angry. You know, like the little cheer that our, our cheerleaders did when I was going to play high school basketball when the guy would foul someone and they would, you know, they would expect him to raise their hand so the scorekeeper would know that's the guy you put the foul on. And if you don't, if you don't, if you're not guilty of the foul or you don't like the call, you just, I'm not raising my hand. And our cheerleaders made a, made a cheer for a clown like that and said, you did it, you did it, raise your hand, admit it, <laughs> you know. And the truth of the matter is, when someone is angry, they don't want to say, I'm angry. They want to say, well, if what happened to you happened to me, you would do the same thing. You would be upset I'm not angry, I'm just hurt. I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. No, if the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> when we're angry, it's going to cause some problems. 
Now, sometimes we can get angry for a righteous reason. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, he said, be angry and sin not. If you've got something to be angry about, it's not going to be because someone, you know, stuck their finger in your banana pudding. It's not going to be because somebody came late and you didn't get to do what you wanted to do. It's not going to be because your little apple cart was turned over. It's going to be because there is a righteousness. If someone abuses somebody or someone hurts someone, there is a, there's a reason for someone to be angry about that. When someone is hurt, and sometimes we live in a day where we're so perverse and so wicked that the only thing that's really funny is to watch someone get hurt. You got people that make it games to hurt people and then video it and then send it off somewhere and then they show everybody how bad it was to get hurt by somebody. That, that's sick. But the farther we get away from God, the more we have to get perverse and, uh, and, uh, and hurtful to, to really laugh at something. When someone falls, someone gets hurt, someone has something calamity come to them, he says, don't laugh. Or God will laugh when your calamity comes. But we do get frustrated. We do get angry. We do have wrath. That's an emotion we have. God has it too. And once again, there is a righteous indignation. Most of us, we don't know much about that. Most of our anger is when someone doesn't do what I want them to do, respond how I want them to respond, and then it just ticks me off, and then I go into a rage. And when you make a friendship with an angry man, you never know. You're always going to have to rescue her. You're always going to have to rescue them because they're not letting the Holy Spirit of God dominate. By the way, if you have an anger issue, God can help you. He can help me and he can help you. Don't use, don't use your nationality. Well, I'm Irish. That has nothing to do with it, okay? You know, I'm this, I'm that. No, no, you're, you're angry because there's something going wrong inside of you that you haven't let the Holy Spirit control. But there are things that happen in our society that cause us to be angry. And God's word for anger in our passage today is fret. Now, most people, if you were to say, what does fret mean? We would say it means to worry. But that's not the indication here in this passage of Scripture. If you look it up, it will mean to cause to be upset, to be angry or red hot. And you can see it starts off with fret not. And then you look at verse number 8. Read it with me, would you please, together. Got your Bibles there? Verse number 8, let's read it together of, of Psalm 37, verse 8. Are you ready? Cease from and forsake. Because here we see a progressiveness, an anger, a wrath that it gets more intense and more directed, and then a decision to do something that is wrong. He tells them, he said, listen, in this passage of Scripture, I want to give you some things. Because if you and I can handle frustrating things right, you are elevated your righteousness. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's another verse like that. If you look in the passage, you'll see it. And uh, let's turn, look at verse number uh, 6. Would you read that with me? 37, 6. And he shall bring forth thy... As the, and thy judgment. One of the reasons why you and I are still sucking air in this world after we get saved 
is so that you and I can be a light. You can be a light in the middle of a dark world. The world is dark and it's getting darker. And some of us, we're used to the dark. We don't want to be a light. We, we, we're used to the entertainment we watch on television. We're used to the jokes that people tell. We're used to the music that we like. We're used to the dress code that we embrace. We're used to just being like the world, where God tells us we ought to not be spotted. He says, I want you to be in the world, but I don't want the world in you, John. But many of us, we're used to the world. We, we bought in. We're in deep. And the way we think, we're not transformed. We are conformed to this world. But God wants Christians to stand out, not to blend in. I'm not talking about being a Pharisee. I'm not talking about being a hypocrite. I'm not talking about being a holier than thou. I'm talking about being distinctively different. And not necessarily in all the things that, that maybe we would see on the outward side, but in how we handle things that disappoint us. How we handle those things. You know, when everything's going good in your life, the world doesn't necessarily take note of that. But when they see you go through something that would make them angry, and you don't get angry, then he says your righteousness shines like a light. When the world, something bad happens to them, they blow up. They get on Facebook and they begin to tell everybody all how hard it is to be them. They begin blaming their past. They begin to blame their, their upbringing. They blame the church. They blame the pastor. They blame anyone. They begin to not accept responsibility. We need a revival of accepting responsibility. We need a revival of people who will say, you know, in what, the, what in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 18, he said, you guys got this little proverb that you use every time you're cornered with a mistake that you make? And they say this, our parents ate sour grapes, and that's why our teeth is set on edge. He said, it was not really my fault, it was my parents' fault. You couldn't get more crippled, too high for crutches than that. And that won't hold up, friend. I don't care what has happened to me or you, and all of us have been hurt, all of us have been disappointed by, by leaders, by our parents. You know what? You've got parents that weren't perfect. If you think parents ought to be perfect, try being one. You're going to find out your kids don't have perfect parents either. And it's not a walk in the park to be that. But one thing we've got to get, to get really straight in our heart and mind is quit blaming everyone. And accept responsibility for what you are doing. Well, if this happened to me, and this is why I have, this is why I'm like this, and no, no. Hey, listen, you ought to get a checkup from the neck up and say, you know what? This is, this is my responsibility. I'm responsible for moi. You're responsible for y'all. <laughs> and we need, to, we, need to, we need to do what we're supposed to do. And decide, I'm going to do the right thing. Because your righteousness needs to be a light. Every one of you are interacting with people that are without Jesus. In just a few years, they're going to go into eternity, and they're either going to, they're going to wake up in heaven or they're going to wake up in hell. They're going to wake up with Jesus or without him. I oftentimes say this, a hundred years from today, all that's going to matter for everyone in this auditorium is where you live. You're going to, you're going to live with God or you're going to live without him. And if you're saved, it's going to matter how you live. 
And how you handled problems, how you handled trials, how you handled things that provoke you and I to anger. And what do we do with those things? Well, the passage tells us what we can do with it. Let's look at it real quickly, if you would. One of the things that really frustrated the psalmist is when he saw bad people who hurt him, hurt the society, prosper. It really ticked him off. Kind of reminds me of looking at the news today. When you see people light torches to auto zones and throw molly cocktails and beat up old people and steal, and they got everything on camera now, so you see all this malicious, hurtful things happen. And it makes you mad. When it seems like that wrong is right and right is wrong and wrong seems to prevail no matter, the facts don't even matter. It's just, it's just a very strong urge, and it causes us to get angry and frustrated. Well, here's what the Bible tells us. Verse number 1 of Psalm 37. Fret not thyself. Now, who is, uh, who is responsible for who here? I'm responsible for me. He didn't say fret not yourselves. He said you. You get angry easy? Well, stop being angry. Don't do it. And especially because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. The Bible tells us that evil men have always been, but their, but their effectiveness is short-lived. Their life is short-lived. It's like the grass that grows up in your, your lawn in July. It grows up, and then you have a lawnmower that comes and cuts it off pretty quick. And it just falls into the ground or it gets into your, into your, your catch basin there. He said, it's just like a, a green herb in the, in the Middle Eastern area that left out. If it doesn't get watered, it quickly just withers up. He said, evilness. And we think, oh, man, this is never going to stop. One thing we know in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, in perilous times, Evil days shall come, men shall wax worse and worse, deceive and be in the way. But the Bible says that they shall one day be stopped. So, Pastor, why don't they hurry up and why didn't God come down and stop it right now? Because God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any would perish. Let me just remind you of something. Society is winding down. So what's this world coming to? It's coming to the judgment of God. And you and I ought to spend a little bit more time than getting angry is realizing we just have a short time to make an impact for eternity. Regardless of what other things are happening around our society, people still need to hear about Jesus. People got saved yesterday. People got saved this morning. People could get saved this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow. And Tuesday and Wednesday, and people are still interested. I was giving a gospel track and speaking to a lady yesterday. Had just a few, few short minutes. I was in the Philadelphia airport, and, and they had a layover there. So I stepped off, and I went, and I, I started talking to this lady. And I said, listen, I don't have time. I've got to run back to my plane. But could you take time to read this? She goes, you know what? I'm very interested in this. I said, I wish I could tell you. She goes, don't worry. I'll, I'll read it. I, I need it. In the middle of Philadelphia, a lady said, I need this. I'm very interested in this. And there are people all over your sphere of influence of people who need it and would read it, would listen to us. Because life is short. 
eternities forever. He says, so don't get fired up. Don't fire yourself up against evildoers and neither be envious of the workers of iniquity because it's a short-lived process. See, we, we see everything in little time frames. Like, like, like um, we, you know, we see the past and we see now, we see tomorrow. God looks at everything. He knows tomorrow better than you can remember what happened yesterday. He looks at everything in one frame. So he doesn't like, he's like, oh, we've got to hurry up, got to hurry up. No, he says, you know, for me, a thousand years is like a day. And a day like a thousand years. And you think, well, this is a long time of seeing the wickedness prevail. God says, no, it's just a minute. This is just a few minutes here. This is nothing. I've got something going. But look, if you would, please, what our response should be. Verse number two, three. Read it with me, would you please? Here's, he said, don't be angry, but here's what you need to do. By the way, it's the principle of replacement. Listen, you got some filthy music you're listening to that has curse words and the rap and all the nasty stuff going on and, and sexual innuendos. You wanna, if you're going to get rid of that, you should. But one thing you'll need to do is put replacement in there. You better find some godly music that exalts the Lord. Not necessarily you like something that will please the Lord. If you take away something, you need to replace something. He said, listen, you got anger. Instead of having anger, have faith. Look at verse number three. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Are you ready? Trust in the Lord. We're going to talk about the blessings of being right tonight. I can't wait to. If you can't come to service uh, tonight, I hope you'll take the time to read the rest of this, and we're going to explain that. There's so many great things that happen to someone who decides to do what is right, to do the good thing. This word good appears again, the steps of a good man, someone who does the right thing or ordered by the Lord later on in verse 23 of this chapter, of this psalm. But number one, he says, instead of getting angry, put your faith in God and do what you're supposed to do. Then you can enjoy the journey. Most of us get angry because we don't trust God. The antithesis to anger is faith. Well, when you get angry with someone, you can understand, you know, who made that someone? Who can control your circumstances? Well, I got fired unjustly. How dare that guy? And you blow a casket over that situation. You know who runs heaven and earth? You know, the earth is the Lord, the fullness of You know what you can do? You can learn to trust God. He said, instead of being angry and angering yourself, and upset because you don't understand how come evil people prevail, and you're trying to do what's right, and you go through a difficult time, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord and do what you're supposed to do. And there's a benefit. Look at verse number four. What's the second thing he said? This is my mother's favorite verse. Are you ready? Delight thyself. He said, not only trust the Lord, but enjoy him. Delight yourself in him. That means to be happy in him. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the, how often? Always. And again I say, so many of us, we believe God. But only probably a few of us really enjoy God. We know we should read our Bible, but oh man, here we go. We know we should be in church. But we even say to the kids, come on, kids, we got to go to church. How long is he going to make us stand for these songs, man? This is getting old. (laughs) 
We, 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 it's, all of a sudden, man, we, we watch a soccer game. We can stand out there in the freezing cold and watch our kids play, walk up and down, rain coming down, snow sometimes. And we want to be out there, but we go, God, yeah, yeah. We're standing here for 14 minutes like, man, this is getting long. How long? I, I get tired of standing too sometimes. But I will say this. I think sometimes it's because we, we trust the Lord. That's why we're here. We believe in God, but we don't enjoy him. We don't delight in his relationship with him. We spent a whole week on prayer revival, and we didn't even talk about prayer so much as talked about getting ready to pray. And part of it was being right with God, so you enjoy being there. Not so you have to, because you get to. Adam and Eve, before sin, they couldn't wait for the presence of God to come. After sin, they were running away from him, hiding from him. He said, he said instead of being angry, trust the Lord and do what you're supposed to do. By the way, there's a, there's a beautiful principle in the Bible, and is that, is that feelings always follow faith. If you do what God wants you to do, the feelings will catch up. When someone hurts you, you don't want to forgive them. And you build a case why you can't forgive them, because if you forgive them, they're going to hurt you again. And you build all this case. You know what God tells you to do? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. So when you obey God and do what you're supposed to do, guess what happens? It feels good. Some of you decide, well, I don't know if I can afford to tithe and give to the missions. And it's a big battle for us. And every Sunday we battle with that situation. You know when you feel good about giving? After you give. Then all of a sudden the fuzzy wuzzies come. God tells us to do, trust him enough to obey him, do good. And then delight in the Lord. And then what happens? He gives us the desires of our... He changes our thinking, our feelings, and our desires. And he gives them to us. The happiest people on the planet are people who trust the Lord and enjoy the Lord. I need to hasten. Let's look at the next two things. The Bible says in verse number five, read it with me. Are you ready? Commit thy way. The word commit means to roll it over to him, to cast it onto him. You know any other verses in the Bible that say that? Say that? Yeah, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your on him because why he cares for you he said i want you to turn so many of us we just go over and over in our mind all these negative things these frustrating things and they just generate more anger inside of us instead of saying lord i'm going to trust you i'm going to do what you want me to do i'm going to enjoy you it's not going to be a have to it's going to be a get to and i'm going to take these things my way my path, my job, my situation, my relationship, and I'm going to roll it over unto you. And you know what he'll do? He'll bring it to pass. You know, trials don't come to stay. They come to pass. But they come to pass a lot faster when we roll over our trial to the Lord. We commit it to him. And that's why the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry yourself. Don't fret. Don't get angry about anything, but instead... Take your care and make it prayer. With thanksgiving, let your request be unto God and then the peace of God. Look at the last one. He tells us in verse number, if we do this, verse 6, read it with me. And he shall bring forth thy, as the? 
and thy judgment. He said, not only will you be a blessing, but you'll have enough mindset to make the right decision, your judgment. One of the things that all of us need is, a, is, is enough understanding to know what we should do. That's what judgment means. That you will decide, what does God want me to do? And I'll make the right decision. How many of you need wisdom in making decisions? Well, all of us do. I need it. In, in difficult times, especially, if any man lack wisdom, let him. We need wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what I'm supposed to do. Knowledge is knowing kind of what to be done. Wisdom is how to get it done, what to do. He says, listen, instead of getting angry and fretting yourself, how about trusting the Lord and do what you're supposed to do? Don't, like, resist the urge to be with the Lord. Enjoy, delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord, and then God says, then I make you a light. Your righteousness becomes a light, and your judgment is as clear as a noonday sun. You can see everything clearly. You're not going to, many of us, were just rolling down a dark, everything is dark. That's why the Bible says, in all thy ways, do what? Acknowledge, recognize the Lord. Then what does he do? He directs your path. We do that, then he makes clear. We're, 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 instead of making decisions in the dark, we're making decisions as in the noonday sun. It's, it's bright and clear. We know what to do. And the last thing he says here is, is rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Look, at, if you would please, verse 7. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Rest in the Lord. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth. He tells them, he says, listen, rest in the Lord. Rely upon him. Wait patiently for him. God's sometimes slow, but he's never late, and he's not in a hurry. He's not, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a clock. You and I have a clock. He doesn't have that clock. Some of you are watching the clock right now. I'm watching your clock. Don't you worry about that. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for your pastor to finish the message. And then the Bible tells us as he concludes it, cease from what? Anger. Forsake wrath. That's, that's anger on steroids. Some of us, we're angry, but no one knows right now. But if you're full of wrath, we know. Some of you, you, you put on a great, but you know you're angry. And your, and your wrath tells everyone else you're angry. The Bible says it's an honor for a man to cease from, from wrath. He said, a prudent man covereth his, his wrath. But a foolish person, he lets everyone know he's angry. They all know it. He said, don't devise to do evil. Because evil complicates life. It creates more problems. Don't let that happen to you. Are you angry? Here's a fourfold solution. Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight in him. Enjoy God. Commit your way. Roll over your problems to him. Let him work through the process and rest and wait patiently for him. He's going to strengthen your heart. There's no sense being angry. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I think we'd be a better husband, wife, friend, mother, grandma, Teenager, if we could walk out today and say, you know what, I'm done being angry. I'm going to elevate my faith. I'm going to delight in my God. I'm going to commit my problems to the Lord. And I'm going to rest in his ability to fix them and wait on him. I think we'd be better Christians and our light 
our righteousness would shine in the world around us. More people would come to know the Lord when they saw him in us.